Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2, but oh, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody quiz of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to look ahead to Dynamite tonight. And I suppose, Michael Sidgwick, effectively, the go-home show for winter is coming. Yes, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. But following a pretty naff week last week, yeah, expectations are always a little bit lowered. Hmm. It's been a fairly rubbish day in the United Kingdom, ruined by ongoing pandemic anxieties and just appalling government absolutely appalling government. I need my stupid American wrestling show to be good for my mental health. <laughs> and uh, if that sounds like pathetic, that's the power wrestling has, I guess. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to do as well. It's there to be an escape. And AEW's a better escape than WWE or most wrestling that we've had over the past 20-odd years. But what it isn't is the type of thing where you can like sit idly by and tolerate it not being that great. <laughs> it has always allowed you to hold it to the highest standard. And it would be nice to see some of those standards um, reached tonight, especially with the big stuff. Mm. Especially with the, you know, they'd like the teeing up title matches and things with big stakes. And it would just be nice, again, to feel a certain sense of consequence that I feel like has been lacking a little bit on the show since, uh, well, I was going to say since full gear, but it probably trickles back a little bit before that, I would say. Uh, we'll talk uh, about the diamond, Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal in due course. Uh, but we should start with, I suppose, the, the final test, the final hurdle, the final victim for Brian Danielson before he challenges Hangman Page for that AEW World Championship. It is effectively the beginning of John Wick, this, isn't it? Because he's going to kill the puppy that is John Silver. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I wish I wasn't such a massive nerd mark. Just spoiling preview content in reviews because I'm so delighted by the possibilities that this promotion conjures more often than not because I've told people what I want to see from this match already. I will reiterate if you haven't remembered or didn't listen in the first place. It's a weird time to do this specific match. It's location-specific um, in terms of the way I think it should be booked regardless um, because I want John Silver to be his biggest challenge yet, which seems counterintuitive to the fact that you want him to look... You want Danielson to look mm -hmm. at his strongest ahead of the title match, but the way I would go around that, only because you don't really get many rematches in AEW, and I'd 
I think Danielson versus Silva's got potential to be a sleeper TV hit of the year. Yeah. I think it could be friggin' fantastic. So I don't want it to be cruel, even though I probably would get involved in the story if it is like another five minute one hope spot deal. But I feel like we've seen enough of that. I feel like another we need another reminder of just how great John Silver is because he's like the guy in the dark order, not named Hangman Page, who's got the potential to do like a TNT title run or mm. something like that, I feel. So I think we are overdue a reminder of how awesome he is. I think his explosive comeback sequence, not only is it always great, but Danielson selling that with like, Jesus Christ, what of, what's mm. my hubris let me in for here will be phenomenal. And an incredible near fall will follow that comeback sequence after a ripper of a match. And then Danielson will say, right, okay, well, I'm going to give you the finish to the Hangman Page match right now because when I've got your hands held with mine and I'm caving your head in with my foot, there's no escape, and I want him to do the TKO finish. I'm a ghoul because I've pitched that finish for literally every single <laughs> Dark Order match, but he says he's going to kick in the heads of the Dark Order. I want that taken literally tonight, and I want him to do it with a really furious um, body language. The implication being, yeah, I might be taking 12 to 15 minutes, but look what happens when you piss off the dragon it's almost bad for you that I got tested tonight, Hangman, because I'm going to kick this guy's head in. And the flex as well, because uh, John Silver obviously does the, the pose. It works so perfectly, doesn't it? Absolutely, and he could do that mid-match, and then Silver can do it earnestly in response. Like There's loads to play with here. Yeah, echo all of that, really. Um, I expect this to be a bit of a gem. That's not to say that you wouldn't expect something good anyway, but just because ultimately this is a setup match, you don't necessarily have to have the highest expectations. Um, the cruelty, as Cedric points out, is going to be far more earned. Like I've sort of suggested that Brian's almost been playing a mustache twirling villain in that he just is seemingly reveling it for the fun of it. And when all of this is done, um, and I think that's maybe been a little bit of a problem with the program actually, because he stepped into the John Moxley role. If we'd have been talking about that angle with John Moxley in it, we'd be looking not just at the match, we'd be looking at, right, we think Hamon Page is going to win, and then what happens with John Moxley as a result of this loss. It hasn't really felt like we've been able to do that with Brian Danielson versus Hangman Page, and it feels a little bit WWE as a result. It feels like there was nothing before, there's a three-month, like a three-month, two-month mm -hmm. rivalry, there's a payoff, and then it's gone. And it was just this thing that happened to these wrestlers for a few weeks. And I think that's maybe, as good as the matches have been, why there's not been quite as much heft emotionally compared to that very first promo that they cut against each other. I think we'll get that tonight. I think we'll approach that as close as we've got thus far, more so than you would have expected maybe out of, say, Colt Cabana in Chicago. I think we'll get that here just because of what Sidgwick points out. They want to show you as much of John Silver here as they do Brian Danielson. It would be nice, and I kind of think what it is at this point, and they've not, they've not like given us enough that far to suggest that there's going to be much in the way of Page and Danielson tonight, probably boilerplate stuff like last week, but I would like to see them figure out, they're the creative people, like figure out a way to turn the heat up on that specific bit as well. It's not just Brian versus the Dark Order, he's fighting for the world title. Yeah, that's uh, that's a very good point actually. Uh, I think, yeah, just to re-emphasise, it is next week, it's a world title match and yeah, he may have murdered all of his friends but legitimately he is the biggest threat to, to Page's to Page's title, right? Which he really wants. I think Hamlet's really hit on something there. We know AEW's booking formula 
wrestler fights associates of ultimate rival to build anticipation ahead of the actual match and preserve it and all the rest of it. I think Hamlet's bang on. I think the fact that he should want that title, that title symbolizes that it's the best pro wrestler in the world who holds it. And that's what Danielson's entire persona is. I'd really like, in fact, a promo. Saying, right, I'm done with the Dark Order. That was easy. You could say that's easy after this match wasn't for the heat. And then say, right, I'm done with the Dark Order. I've proved my point. This is why I want that title. This is how important the title is. Sort of related to that, actually. We've got uh, the Young Bucks versus Best Friends being represented by Rocky Romero and Chuck Taylor tonight. But similar to, to what you two have just alluded to there, Hamflet, it's also a little bit about what's going on outside the ring for this one with, with Cole and, and Cassidy. Yeah. Um, I, I'm looking forward to having the Young Bucks back. Yeah, it feels like I've gone a little while without getting to see them wrestle. Uh, since, I guess, full gear, I suppose, would have been the last time. They've gone, they're going to wrestle before Hangman Page does since that pay-per-view. That's weird how that's worked out. But I'm glad to get them back. I, I'm not hugely invested in the story, to be honest. I, I, that segment didn't land last week with the setup. The best friends, we give them a bit of stick sometimes in the podcast because just the angles don't feel that vital. The matches often deliver. The big ones especially, this is not one of them, but there's plenty of precedent for the matches being good. But the angles just always feel proper... I don't know, like secondary or tertiary concern. There's something about these characters that allow you to just kind of like brush them off a little bit, as I think the Young Bucks probably will tonight. Cole and Cassidy is the more interesting element mm. of this match. Uh, yeah, I don't have a lot to say. This feels a little bit, it's got a bit of that late 2019 Dynamite energy about it. There's not a great deal in the back end. There's not a lot that I can see going forward. Um, but the match should be exactly what you expect, which is that kind of generic hot opener. Maybe that's a spoiled take. Maybe you should still be enthusiastic about these things, but I'm looking for a bit more out of all of this. I'll be a bit more generous. I, too, have really missed the Young Bucks, and I've missed the Young Bucks specifically because we've seen a lot of trios matches with the Super Click. I've really enjoyed them. Yeah. I've missed watching the Young Bucks in a tag team ring, in a tag team match uh, for quite some time, actually, so I'm really looking forward to just watching who I consider the best tag team of all time again. Chuck Taylor will be up for this. He's more broken than... You'd expect, but he is quite like physically thrashed at times, Chuck Taylor. But I think he'll be bang up for this. We know from glorious precedent how well Rocky Romero and the Bucks work together. I'm expecting something really good, particularly since the Bucks haven't wrestled for this long. I mean, tag team of the year by any good faith, mm. good taste person is so not. But I think they'll have the bit between the teeth and realize, hang on, like I genuinely really want to have a great match here. It's all going to lead to some kind of Cassidy Cole confrontation yeah. on the outside. And I think that'll be a really fun element of it. So I'm expecting this to be one of those things where like, oh yeah, about three and a half stars, this should be good. And then they're going to do something like really, really witty and creative in the middle of the match using the seconds. That's going to pop your tits off. Like, I think this will be a sleeper hit. I've got trust in the books. Young Bucks win? Yes, without doubt. Uh, Obviously, Young Bucks integral to the rise of AEW, some might say. And if you're a fan of that sort of thing, Becoming All Elite is available right now. Whatculture.bigcartel.com. Michael Cedric's brilliant new book all about AEW. Yes, absolutely. The Young Bucks were instrumental in the creation of that company, as you know, but I will tell you specifically why and how great they were with in-depth analysis if you order the book. And this isn't a bit like if you're thinking about ordering it, order it now. Um, copies are running out. Mm. Uh, someone else who was uh, important in the early days of AEW, check out this segue, Riho is in action tonight <laughs> against uh, Jamie Hayter. I, I, I'm not 100% certain. I don't think it's been announced. I assume 
Riho may get Baker at winter is coming, or is, it, is that maybe going to be saved for something in the new year, perhaps? Obviously, this is... Battle of the Bales, perhaps? Oh, Battle yeah, quite possibly, yeah. yeah. Hate is there to soften her up tonight, regardless. Yeah, my cynical side is telling me that they're going to do a winter is coming because they haven't got the best track record of booking Japanese talents in long-term stories. And I understand that Battle of the Belts is January, and we're getting deep into December at this point, but that would still require two or three weeks of TV build, the likes of which AEW tend not to do often enough with their women's division. For So for cynical reasons, I'd expect this to actually happen next week. Um, you know what I would like here, right? Because this feels like, well, they can't beat Riho because she's got the match. Yeah. It's terrible booking if they do that, <laughs> and they are not terrible bookers. This match would be so much more dramatic if they said, given the events that have happened within Britt Baker's stable, if Jamie Hayter wins, she gets Britt ba- uh, she gets Riho's title shot. Wow. I wish they added that step because, one, it's the kind of common sense expectation if that were to happen. It's realistic. It casts doubt over the outcome. It um, furthers the dissension between Baker and Hayter. Um, I don't know how that would inform the finish. Maybe it wouldn't have to. Maybe you just have You'd have that. Rebel trying to help Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker being like, yeah. Oh, just hold back just a second. Uh, like the Rebel mindlessly thinking, oh, it's for the team, yeah? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I, I like that as an idea. Sorry to jump on, on you there. But I, I discussed this with Andy earlier in the office. And I think that whilst that stipulation would be great, the fact it's not there. And you, you're, I'm right in thinking this isn't beat Hater for the match. It's Riho's got the match regardless. We're just putting you against Hater, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I like the, I like the idea that Britt Baker sends Reba Rebel in to get involved in this match. Maybe there's some miscommunication shenanigans regardless. Riho wins uh, if you want to do it this way. But I like that as also pissing Jamie Hater off for her being like, why? I didn't need you to do this. Yeah. And she just, like you say, it's more developments in the... I mean, maybe Bell's Bielch is, is Hater, potentially. Potentially, potentially. Um, they do go very slow burn on a lot of yeah. things. Like, look at the MJF Wardlow breakup. Like, that's been months, years, in fact, in the making. Regardless of the fact that they're not doing that step, I've got really high expectations for this match. Um, just the dynamic. Hater is, like, incredibly physical and powerful to the point where his stuff looks a little bit scary at times. Mm-hmm. She's better for being rough around the edges. I think she's an incredible prospect. And I really hope this is the start of, like, more consistent booking for her um, in particular. Her against Riho, who's incredible at selling and drawing sympathy and like crumpling in agony. I think this could be great if it's given enough time and a sense of importance. Yeah, I love the dynamic. Just love it. The power disparity and how the like Riho is gonna it's gonna it's gonna be that traditional wrestling chopping down the tree story, even though you know we're not framing Jamie Hater as a giant, it's more just the fact that Riho's that small and that much smaller than the other wrestlers that she's kind of got to do this against everybody, especially somebody as nails as Hater. I really want to see again because it just feels like it's been a little while. The Jamie Hater taking the bump from somebody doing a splash like Riho just flinging her body at Jamie Hater and mm. Jamie Hater selling it because when she's tried in the ring, she's not gone down for her belly. And then you finally get that awesome impact sell that Jamie oh, yeah, Hater what does. What did you um, do that with? She's done it a couple of times. She's done it a couple of times because obviously she's got it in a locker and it makes her opponent look fantastic. It's awesome. I forgot about so that. it's such a useful element to any match, but especially this one where Riho's got to throw all this caution to the wind. I just think it it's a really, really nice pairing. It's another... I wish AEW... Not just for all, all the obvious and generic reasons. I wish it, one of the reasons I wish AEW was better to women was because when they're good, they're great. Like there's a quietly, 
quite the diverse and pretty dynamic like women's roster here. And just it's a usage issue more than anything else because it's not that hard to pull a parent together like this and think this is going to be one of the best matches on the show. They've got a lot of combos like this. And I just wish that's another reason why I kind of wish we'd get a bit more of it. And for as much as we poo-pooed it last week, I think this merits having Britt Baker come out to do commentary either, I'm not sure which one I'd like more, either her making her entrance and Jamie Hayter have to coming out, having to come out to Britt Baker's music or Jamie Hayter making her entrance and then the match is about to start and then Britt Baker's music in. She's like, it's all about you, this, isn't it? Yeah. I just, I think, you know, the, the commentary thing we talked about a lot last week, but this is a, an important thing because it's the old, the age old thing of when Jamie Hayter watches it back and then there's a bit of negging, mm. a bit of, oh, I'd have done that better from, from Britt Baker on commentary. Just more fuel to that fire. What's annoying me now in anticipation of this match is that they've got loads and loads to play with, and I really hope they uh, exploit all of it. On that commentary thing, like, don't piss about with that. That didn't work. Like, call yes, that, call yes. that a bad idea. Call it what it was. Pick a third you man. Can have, you can have a, a, a you know, a, a, a wrestler on commentary occasionally, but it doesn't have to be for everything. Well, pick a third person, but just have them. For, if you insist on the three-man booth, like, have somebody, but just have them for the night and have them be the commentator. It's probably tasks, you know, but, like, just somebody in that role rather than this rotating... Very convenient, very WWE arrival per match. You're inviting stupid trouble with that, and it I didn't work for me at all last week. It made like hell with the formatting. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Very excited to ask this question to you, Michael Hamflet, after last week's events. What's next for Cody Rhodes? I just, I don't know. And we try and keep these podcasts like to a certain time limit, and I just feel like we can go and go and go on Cody, and it's becoming easier at least to talk in reflection of what we've witnessed. A man on fire. He smells like smoke because he was literally on fire last week. Mr. Blobby level chaos in a, <laughs> in a main event that felt entirely unearned. Um, 
Like, it's so much easier to talk reflecting on some mad stuff he's done than trying to predict his next move. And I'm not going to give him the credit to him because he's playing for DJs. He's playing frustration with checkers pieces. Like, it's not... <laughs> I just don't... I don't know anymore. I don't like... Um, I don't... To spin off, because that's what Cody does, to spin off to the pack Malachi Black stuff that has come from all of this, I don't like... Malachi Black's toxic mist being more important than wins and eyes, and that feels rubbish. I don't like that Cody beating Andrade in a rivalry that wasn't really a rivalry is now the blood feud. The blood has now set Andrade back, and it's like right, we've got to we've got to recover a guy. That's that's pretty WWE. Oh, you broke somebody, and now you got to fix him. Why did you just not break them in the first place? Like little things like that. I don't know. But I don't it know. Did, it did give us Jose with his shirt. Th- that was great. That was really good. Um, Given the dynamite diamond ring, Jose. But the, <laughs> if anything at all, and maybe not a lot this week, maybe Cody probably knows that there's some weeks where it's worth stepping back a little bit. Maybe there's something in Brandy Rhodes being the one to douse the table and do a bit of acting while she was doing it. There was he sent there was an angle klaxon going off with there about whatever her involvement in Cody's insanity is at the moment. And maybe there's a little something like an, an interview backstage where that's referenced or that's Builds into whatever the hell they're doing with him. I don't know, Sige. Uh, <laughs> when inside baseball, when Wilborn sent over the stuff that we were going to discuss as a professional, I, was, I looked at this Cody question. I thought I'm going to roll my eyes. I see the same conversations online, Twitter, message boards, wherever about Cody, and it's all about Cody. It's weird, isn't it? Because we, we, me and Andy have been talking about this quite a lot, you know, in the immediate aftermath, and we keep revisiting it when whenever we're talking about AEW about the fact that maybe it isn't necessarily about the resolution of this, i.e. does he turn heel, does he turn face, is he, you know, thinking he's a face but he's a heel, etc., etc. Or is it just the conversation for conversation's sake almost? Yeah, everyone seems bored and confused by it, and that's just not the feelings that you want to elicit within your wrestling fandom. And it's drawing more and more things in, as, as Hamlet said there. You started out with, you know, Malachi and maybe Arn Anderson mixed in. Who's the best bit. out of them for? Out of the four of them? Yeah. Mm. Like, in the storyline, right? When oh, Mac- oh, in terms yeah. of in angles. In matches. Yeah, in matches. In AEW storylines, oh, Hangman Page is definitively better than Kenny Omega, right? And Kenny Omega was the best, so how good does that make Hangman Page? Yeah. Great. Funny. Funny. But <laughs> I don't know who's the best. I don't know who's any closer to getting a, a TNT title shot. Yeah, I don't know s- anything. When you, say, when you say parody... <laughs> You mean they're all as bad as each other? Yeah, not they're, they're all, all sludging about in the mud. Yeah, it's, it's, just, toxic, um, it's toxic sludge. Because it started off so well. Like we talk, Malachi Black comes in, kills awesome. him. It's awesome. And then you go, we're going to do it again. You go, ooh, uh, well, I suppose if he wins again, then it's, it's we're not doing it again, again. It's not what? an aesthetics thing, but I'm pining as much for fight shorts, Malachi Black, as I am Trunks Mox, yeah. just because that reminds me of a feeling I had for that wrestler yeah. more than what we've had ever since. And Andrade, he's been brought in, and then you, you know, that's drawn it, and you've got Arn Anderson constantly involved in this, and now Pac's gone blind. <laughs> <laughs> so the implication is Cody's gone to want Malachi Black where he won in the end. He's beaten Andrade in the more important match that people remember. Because I couldn't even remember the result of the one that they had on Dynamite. Even though I liked it, I can't remember who won. No. I think Cody lost because there was a heel beatdown angle. Whatever. 50-50. He's, does it go to Cody versus Pac? I, I don't care about any of this going on. Well, did, 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 
used up a spot on pay-per-view for this with the weird can they coexist and then you were like oh, okay I get this we're going for Cody and Pac and then the week after it's like Cody's been DDT'd on the concrete after Dynamite and Pac's or whatever it was after with Rampage. Malachi now we, I just we touched on this last week the WWE used to say the John Cena thing because they were trying to justify its existence well some booing and some cheering but everybody's making noise like it got normalised but that was a bad thing this idea that Cody just wants people to be having the conversations is the same. You can normalise that as what you want out of it, but it doesn't mean it's good. They are doing stuff, just stuff, with Malachi Black and Andrade because they realised subsequent to their signings that they were going to reveal Punk and Danielson. Like, it's genuinely like kind of lost in the shuffle stuff, this, and it's a downer. A confusing downer. <laughs> it's uh, sort of like, I don't know, growing out of a pair of shoes and then gifting them to someone and someone going wow, thanks for these Jordans with his Twitter account where he's like, well, no one's going to be saying nothing about me for the next few months. <laughs> you have my Twitter account, job done. Uh, right, finally, we've waited long enough, Sidge, to talk about the beautiful diamond ring. Uh, MJF, two-time older. I mean, you talked about bloody the MJF-Wardlow split. That means this time last year we were pitching this because we were talking about Wardlow potentially winning or being in the final. Because uh, I'm right in thinking, because I always forget this, it's not winner tonight. It's the final two that will presumably go into a match. Yeah. A winner is coming next that's, week. That's it, yeah. That's always been the format, at least, so we can assume that's the case. Yeah. Um, and it's it's not as straightforward as many may think, i.e. a lot of people who have been asking us questions. Actually, I've got a good question that someone's emailed to me uh, about MJF and CM Punk, because I think a lot of people are, are booking that as a straightforward, you know, get some other guys in there, uh, you know, uh, maybe Sean Spears and Wardlow have a little moment or whatever you want to do there. But it's all coming down to MJF versus CM Punk. But it's not that simple, is it, Sidge? Because you've got this stuff with, with Team Taz and, and Leo Rush and other you know storylines that can factor into it as well. I'm expecting this to be incredibly deft. Like, just really resourceful booking. Like, one of my favourite elements of AEW is going to be wrapped up in this hopefully electrifying Battle Royale as well, given that Dante Martin's in it. Like Wardlow's in it, wrecking guys on one side of the ring line. Dante Martin's just doing his best not to fly out of it because his propulsion <laughs> is so incredible. I'm expecting this to be great. Right. I need someone to explain something to me like I'm 10. And then I need someone to explain something to me like I'm five. Daddy, do you want to take it? Well, I haven't explained it yet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, right. Can you remember Leo Rush's first? Oh, Leo Rush is back. And he's talking nonsense. <laughs> uh, it's not nonsense. I just don't understand it. Um, the leveraged buyout stuff. Yeah, He had that vignette with like all the wealth and so how rich he is, right? So he's a businessman. A leveraged buyout, LBO, is the acquisition of another company using a significant amount of borrowed money, bonds or loans, to meet the cost of acquisition. The assets of the company being acquired are often used as the collateral for the loans along with the assets of the acquiring company. Right. Does this have anything to do with them doing a leverage buyout of Team Taz? Or what am I talking about? Uh, no, might have something they've got Donnie Martin. He's got him as an asset. So then he kind of like swoops in and just buys all of Team Taz from underneath Taz. He buys all the contracts from underneath Taz. Potentially. Yeah. It, it would would make sense of a thing that feels more dropped than a, he, a current narrative device of like big money Matt Asley or Rush. Yeah. Or I know he is Team Taz. But in reality, he's there high-fiving Ricky Starks, for example. So that would I make used to work in this industry for eight years as well. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't got a clue what it's about. 
But yeah, I like that. So, and it makes sense. And it's obviously going to factor in here. I don't know whether this is going to be the, the blow off. I mean, it could always come down to, you know, Leo Rush versus Dante Martin or, you know, Dante Martin, Leo Rush, and I don't know, let's say Ricky Starks, for example. See him back in the back in the ring soon, please. Um, or it could just be a part of it where maybe Dante chucks out powerhouse Hobbs, for example. Uh, yeah, they could. That's the best thing about a battle royale. It's there's loads of star maker moments. There's so many pops you can do. Like that would be an incredible pop just because of the size differential. It's nice uh, that they've not overloaded this show, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. I hope this gets a lot of time um, to tell. Like, there's loads of really captivating stories. Like, the best stuff in AEW's mid-card. I know last week's was flat in execution, but otherwise, this Dante joins Team Taz stuff has just taken everyone by surprise. The Wardlow, MGF, Spears stuff's great. Mm. The best mid-card stuff in this company is all happening in this match, which I expect to be electrifying and deft. As for who wins it, man, I... Oh. Or at least, the final two, at least the final two, I suppose. Yeah, yeah the final two. MGF versus Wardlow at Winter is Coming as like an exhibition. There's the, before they like do the actual match, they could do something really impressive here where Wardlow's a little, not like Why Am I So Violent or like rubbish melodrama, but a little bit like, not conflicted, but he doesn't go full Wardlow until MGF cheats and then he power bombs him and power bombs him and power bombs him. Um, yeah, there's absolutely loads here. I feel like the Wardlow and MGF stuff's really coming to the to prominence in the narrative. Um, so I think they they too will be Punk in it. CM Punk. They would have advertised it the hell out of it. So yeah, they would have shown so. a picture with him at the front yeah. of all of everybody. That's in a the good match. point. I didn't think that I thought that. Yeah, well, which is weird because it sort of makes you feel like he's too big for it. Like it sort of feels like this is a prize below what he would bother his ass with. But in the reality, it's a <laughs> kind of a big deal. You know, like yeah. I don't hate that because it. Is kind of a big deal, but ultimately it's MGF is a weapon to cheat with, mm. but he's under the delusion that it's worth more than it is. Well, because I, he's a heel. I would like this to be the end of MGF and the beautiful diamond ring because I just think it would be neat that CM Punk specifically brought it up. MJF can only win because of that ring on his finger and that guy Wardlow. So if Punk has anything to do with MJF losing the ring, and serves as another divider between MJF and Wardlow. He's then proven his words to be prophetic, and it's ended up where he beats MJF, and he said, look, what I had to do was I respected you enough to have to take away those things that I knew you were using, and then I was able to beat you. And it just becomes something that we can look back on that excellent promo and see yet another nice detail that they saw through. It's really exciting, this match, the, the potential of it. It's, it's, I don't want to say it's like un-F-uppable, because mm. things can go wrong and do sometimes in wrestling, but it just seems like there are too many narrative opportunities for this to go wrong. There's just so many ways you can take it. Me and Murray were talking about a, a book, fantasy booking scenario we'd come up with. Murray had read something online where somebody suggests, well, what if Miro wins? And that can be what he presents to Lana back at home because, Ooh. you know, he's still chasing that prize and that redemption and all that sort of stuff. And in order to arrive at that, you could do something where MJF is taken out of the Battle Royal somehow with some CM Punk-related involvement to mm-hmm. bring off him. And then there's a bit of a um, either what looks like a miscommunication, but is in fact Spears acting out MJF's jealousy and errantly swinging a chair and out Wardlow like bundles out or something. And next week, it's Miro just snapping Sean Spears with the game over with the story being MJF saying, better get that in ring. Like, we're, like Spears is going to win it and I'm going to get it back. And, of course, Miro wins it on the night, and Sean Spears plays 
klutz getting destroyed in the game <laughs> over. Oh. But like all of that, that's that's factoring in two or three separate storylines and coming up with a new winner. And then you think, actually, this prize does matter. It's mm. a way to put the prize over as well. I do. I like. I'm genuinely fair play because I remember the feelings around the first dynamite battle, like dynamite diamond ring battle, and it's a bit like it's a bit wet, isn't it? And then over time, this has become. Of a certain prestige, or there's last an year's actual match was, the match incredible. was so great last year. One of the best battle royals I can ever remember. So they've created a heightened sense of expectation. I'm really, really up for this. I'm fascinated as to how this crowd responds to MJF. Either oh, yeah. either way is great. That's the best thing. I hope you've seen him. the sign. I hope they boom him. That was the that was what was teed they've up last try, week. He's they? really been trying, I think, anyway, to get that reaction. But either works. Either it fuels his megalomania, and you know it's an aberration, or he gets booed and it's just more fuel for CM Punk and they can start to do stuff that doesn't... I've loved every promo interaction, but driving the storyline from something that's happened between them two, I feel like is the next... Mm. No, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're taking shots at one of those reputation and careers so far. Like, I want it to firmly become part of the actual... It's all a text. little bit hypothetical at the moment, isn't yes, it? Yes, I want yeah. it to get really... I want the events to happen on television to inform everything that goes on. Have you seen the, uh, the new sign parents have made yes what is it, it says like the last time he was cute and adorable or something like the last that. time he wasn't an asshole that was it, yeah. <laughs> i knew we'd get there in the end he's like four years old <laughs> sorry i got distracted there because uh oh are on the big screen at an ice hockey game oh, it says a little tap caption here it looks like montreal canadians won a teeth <laughs> actually made them there might might be my pick for uh, the diamond we'll diamond all through the field together yeah um I love your booking, both of you, um, but I'm going to stick with what I always say. History is going to three-peat itself, uh, and it's going to be Maxwell Jacob Freeman in the final. Uh, and He was obviously going to retain, in my opinion, that the beautiful diamond ring. Who against? Dante Martin. Cool. Yep. Into that. That's going to be, be awesome. Man. Like, oh, I can't believe our team Taz representative, just like Taz said, has made the <laughs> final. And he's like, yep. <laughs> Leo Rush is there. I... I, I I'm, I'm trying, kind of having my cake and eating it too because I was like, well, it could be the MJF and CM Punk storyline or it could be the Dante Martin storyline. I've just gone, why not both? <laughs> so, I don't know, but it's it's going to be fascinating. And like you say, uh, if, if last year's is, is anything to go by and the, the opportunities they've got in this and the opportunities to, to create new stuff coming off the back of it as well, it's really, really exciting. But let us know your picks for the final two in the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal on Twitter, uh, along with your thoughts on everything we've discussed today at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Don't forget, you can get his AEW book right now, WhatCultureBigCartel.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts already available right now. is our NXT 2.0 review, which... Um, is something. It's uh, it's very much the day after the <laughs> What Culture Christmas Party review. But if you've never listened to our 2.0 review before, today's the day to tune in. But it's not always like that. Yeah, it's not always <laughs> like that. I bloody hope it's not always like that. Um, but even if you don't watch NXT that much, you'll have a good time uh, listening to that review. And we'll, of course, all three of us will be back tomorrow to review AEW Dynamite. But this has been the AEW Dynamite preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Boys, we've made it the day after What Culture Christmas Party. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.